When you give, it's important to do it for the glory of God and not for the attention of men. Here's Pastor John Randall to touch on that. The things that nobody knows about that you do for the glory of God. Listen, God's going to reward you for that. He sees it. He's aware of it. He knows about it. And He'll bless you because of it. We would much rather have the praise of heaven than the applause of man. We would much rather have the reward in heaven than the temporary plaque on the wall. Listen, let's serve in such a way that it will glorify God. We draw attention to Him. When it comes to giving, when it comes to giving, that's an act of worship. Welcome once again to A Daily Walk. It's great to have you with us as we return to Pastor John Randall's Through the Bible series. We've reached Matthew chapter 6 today, where we're exhorted by Christ to do good deeds and give. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about that. While many are seeking the approval and the applause of people as they do something good, the Lord wants us to bring Him all the glory instead. Here's Pastor John to explain. I hesitate to share with you, but I shared it last service, so it's already out there. So I'll share it this service as well. As a younger man, I remember uh, working at our church in Costa Mesa, and I had just got hired on as a janitor. And um, I had all the jobs that, well, nobody really wanted to do. Uh, they had other janitors above me, and I was the low man on the totem pole. There was three of us, and I got the jobs that the other two didn't want to do. And I, they would laugh about it. But I it didn't. So one of the jobs was we had in the two-story building where we were at. There was a two-story building where the, the school was, and there was a staircase that would go up, a big, all these stairs. And down in this alcove of the staircase, kids would just throw stuff down there and just, just like, you know, just walking. And it was just garbage and dirt and a mess down there. And so they'd say, and this was something that I would have to do, like weekly sweep this out because it was, and we had two of them. There's one on this side, one on the front. I can see it now. <laughs> and I go down, there's all kinds of, I don't know how long that's been down here. That is wrong. I don't know what that is even. It's taking on its own life. Anyways, you had to go in and clean it out, sweep it out, get it clean. And um, kids would be walking up, you know, while I'm doing it, throwing stuff down. I mean, it's just not cool. So I'm down there. And on this particular day, I was sweeping in this alcove and I saw my pastor coming across the, the courtyard, making his way to the office, which was right around the corner. I started sweeping like you've never seen anybody sweep. <laughs> It was like a dust bowl in there, man. I was like, wow. I mean, it's like there was like a tornado of dirt. Pastor Chuck walking across the courtyard. And I thought to myself, I should probably, I should probably say something, you know. Just let him know I'm on staff. You know, he might, he probably wants to know, you know. I'm sure he wants to come over and, you know, pray for me or something or has a word, maybe. Uh, you know, something just wants to tell me how awesome I'm doing at sweeping. So, in case he doesn't see this dust flying up and the grunt and sweat, uh, I should tell him. So he's coming across just ever so casually. I said, hey, Chuck. Pastor Chuck. John Randall, how you doing? I just started working here. He just kept going. He just kept going. And I'll just remember this one word he said. Oh. And that was his thing. Just kept, just kept on going. I was like, the Spirit of God spoke to me, man, in that moment. Hey, what, what, what are you doing, John? What are you, who are you doing this for? I'm, do, I'm doing it for you, God. That's, that's why I'm here. I'm doing it for you. Are you really? Because it doesn't seem like it right now. It seems like you're wanting to be seen by men. 
It's true. It's true. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. Oh, sometimes we can do that. Want people to pat us on the back. I remember when I was pastoring in the Southeast and we had a friend who worked for a, a very large church. This one was a particular denomination. And she had this job of, of calling people and reminding them to give. And, um, and then they also had a huge, this is, I, I laugh, it's not funny, but to me, it's just, I just can't imagine doing this. And they had a ceremony once a year and everybody who gave whatever they gave and how much they gave, they had like, you, you would get a plaque. You would get a plaque for how much you gave. And if you were up there, like, you know, you know, depending on how much, you would determine which plaque you got. And she called these people and set them up. And I, I asked her, are you serious? Do you guys really do that? You really do that? Have you guys read Matthew chapter 6? I'm just curious. you guys skip that part of the Bible? Like what? So the people would come up. They'd call their name. and Man, thank you, everybody. Good night. Hey, all glory to God. All glory to God. This is all glory to Jesus. I mean, really, is it all glory to Jesus? I don't think so. There's your reward. And you ain't taking that to heaven. It's like you're going to get up to heaven and say, Lord, did you see the plaque I hung up at the, what plaque? That, that was it. I'm, I, it's just, no, do it in such a way so as not to be seen. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be a play actor. Don't put on a show. There were some people that put on a show. You remember them? Ananias and Sapphira, early church, thought they would contribute to the work there in Jerusalem. Yeah, oh man, they're so excited. You know, Barnabas got a nickname and they thought, we should do this too. So Ananias, they come to Peter and they say, hey, we sold this for such and such amount. And Peter said, did you? Ananias? He said, how is it that Satan has filled your heart to lie and you conspired this? The, the, you, you haven't lied to man, you've lied to God. And Ananias poof, just dropped dead. And they took him away. And then his wife came in later. Apparently she didn't know he had already gone. And when she came in, they asked her the same questions. She also lied. She also died. And they took her out and they buried them together. You definitely think twice about before joining that church. I mean, it's like, it's a definite question. Like, <laughs> but it was a show. They put it on so everybody would see them and, and that was it. Listen, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do it to be seen by men. Let the motive be to glorify God. The Bible says, do your works in such a way that when men see it, they may glorify your Father in heaven. Do it in secret. When you do it in secret, he will reward you openly. Folks, that's, that's what it comes down to. The stuff that nobody sees, the things that nobody knows about that you do for the glory of God. Listen, God's gonna reward you for that. He sees it. He's aware of it. He knows about it. And he'll bless you because of it. We would much rather have the praise of heaven than the applause of man. We would much rather have the reward in heaven than the temporary plaque on the wall. Listen, let's serve in such a way that it will glorify God. We draw attention to him. When it comes to giving, when it comes to giving, that's an act of worship. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. A hilarious is the word giver. I give to God because of all that he's given to me. It is a response of giving. I don't do it because somebody twists my arm. I don't do it because somebody's going to tell me how awesome I am for how much I've given. No, I don't do it for any of that. I, I'm amazed how much God allows me to keep. I am giving to him because of what he's given. It's worship. So let it be that. And what is the motive for that? It's love. It's love. How can I not respond to him? He's been so good to me. And so my response is doing it in such a way that it glorifies him, that it brings honor to him so that people can say, look what Jesus has done. Look at the work that Jesus has done. Amen. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. 
And so Jesus said, listen, don't be like that. These guys would sound a trumpet. They would strike up the band. They would hire a band. Hey, listen, I'm going to be giving this week. So do me a favor. Can you play that one song? All right, let's go. And just like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Do it differently. Well, loving. Who am I to love? Everybody. Even my enemies? Yeah. What about giving? Do it in a way that honors God secretly, covertly, for his glory. Well, what about praying? How should I pray? Look again. It says in verse 5. And not if, but when. When you pray, you shall not be, here it is again, like the hypocrites, the play actors. Hupokritas, the Greek word, means man of many faces. For they love, they love to pray. Oh, where? Standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. But when you pray, and that's the reward, by the way, but when you pray, go into your room. When you shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetition as the heathen do. They think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of even before you ask. It's not a matter of if you pray, but when you pray, when you do. The life of the believer, prayer is, a, is to be a priority. It's like breathing. The Bible says pray without ceasing. It's a constant communication with God. Paul said men ought always to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And, and even Jesus' disciples at one point said, Lord, te teach us to pray. Teach us how. Give us, give us insight into how to communicate. And so Jesus said, hey, listen, when you pray, there's a, number of, there's a number of problems that, that had arisen in the life of the religious leaders in their prayer life. Things had become ritualistic. They'd become very mechanical. The, the words were set. The way to pray was set. You could just repeat it over and over and over again without really considering the, the very content of your prayer. They, for one thing, they prayed prescribed prayers. Prescribed prayers meaning you'd have a birthday prayer. Where's that birthday prayer? All right, let's say happy birthday. No, it was a birthday prayer. They had wedding prayers. They had healing of the measles prayer. All these, all these prescribed prayers in the prayer book, and you could just, and there was no, there's no heart. There's no meaning to it. Who are you even talking to? You're just reading something that's written down? It's, there's a prescribed prayer? And also, they really felt it was important, the length of one's prayers. The length. You got to go long. I mean, you gotta go, you gotta go long. The Bible talks about let your words be few. But not, not in this case. They, they felt that the longer you prayed, the more guaranteed your prayer was, it's, it's gonna be answered. What are you wearing God down? I mean, he's just he's like, all right, I hear you. No, but they felt like the length of your prayers, that made it really powerful. You ever been in a prayer meeting with somebody who has the length of prayer? There's like 50 other people in the room, but they're not getting in. They like want to touch the world. I remember one time I was in a prayer meeting and it was supposed to be like specific, and by the way, it wasn't at this church. It was specific prayers. It wasn't, I promise. It, it was specific prayers on something and this guy that sat in my circle that I was in, this guy touched the world, man. We went in every continent, every people group. I was like, hey, bro. I finally, I just said, hey, bro, there's, just, there's a few more people that want to pray. So you need to, let's bring it back to California. 
and uh, maybe we could uh, spread the love. You know, it was just like the length of prayer. This guy just went on and on. God bless him. Do that at home. I think it was Spurgeon that said some people, he said they pray long prayers in public, pray very little in private. <laughs> okay? So they just wanted to get it all out there. Length of prayers. Worst of all, and Jesus mentioned it here, they, did, they prayed not to be heard by God. Did you read it? But to be seen by men. They said they love to pray on the street corners near the city. What, what is that about? Here's the thing. When Jews would pray, three times a day, 9, 12, 3. Three times a day, you're going to go pray. So let's say you're on your way to prayer. You're on your way. Oh, my goodness, look at the time. Oh, it's 8.55. I mean, the synagogue's across the street, but hey, uh, it's 9 o'clock. You know what? I'm just going to pray right here. And so they would, you know, just make this show of prayer. And, And when it talks about the streets, it's talking about a major intersection of people. Oh, God, they would just start praying and going off and everybody would be walking by like, wow, look at him. He loves prayer so much he couldn't even wait to go across the street to the synagogue. That is a man of prayer right there. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't be like that. That's a poor example. He th- the thing is, he thinks, he thinks he's going to be heard for his many words. He thinks he's going to be heard for where he prays. And when people are around, check this prayer out. Hey, I'm, this, I got every Hebrew, Greek, Latin, Aramaic verb in my prayer language. And everybody's like, we don't, we don't know what you're saying. We have no idea what you prayed. God, we pray, you know, in the Hebrew, it says whatever it says. And then they just say it. And you're like, amen. We don't know. I've been in a lot of prayer meetings. I'm just going to say it. Jesus said they, they have the reward. You remember when Jesus gave the parable of the religious leader and the publican that went to pray? Remember? So they both came to the temple. One came and he said, Lord, I just want to thank you that I am not like other men. Example. I, you know, I give my, I give my tithe. I do this. I do that. He just starts listing all of his accomplishments and how awesome he was in his prayer. Jesus said, then there was another man. A, a publican, I mean, a tax collector, a sinner, and said he wouldn't even lift up his head. He just was humble, and he just beat upon his chest, asking for God's mercy, not for what he deserved, asking for forgiveness. And he said, he went away justified. He went away justified. The other, it's like you're just praying into the air. How to pray? How do I pray? Here's how not to pray. Here's how to pray. When you pray. Go into, go into your room. Find a, find a place of solitude. Do you have a place like that? Do you have a place of uh, just a secret place? You know, when our kids were little, I would have to find a secret place to pray because they would find me. And uh, so I, I would change it up just to keep things, you know, uh, from where's dad? Somewhere, somewhere. Typically, I ended up in the garage, in a car, with the door shut and the seat down. I mean, I just, wherever I could go, just... <laughs> Lord, right now in Jesus' name, I pray. <laughs> and I hear this door opening and lights turning on. You know, and I come back and pray. You just find a secret place to pray. Seek the Lord. And the wonderful thing is the promise about secluded prayer and being in a place where you can just pray with the Lord is that your Father who sees in that secret place, he'll reward you openly. Sometimes, you know, when you, when you go to prayer and you're praying and you're interceding over things and, and you don't necessarily see anything changing because you're like, 
I, nobody's around. I, I can't. How am I? But prayer, God is using prayer. He's working. He's, he's moving in ways that we, that we can't see. And prayer is so important in the life of the believer, in the life of the church. The promise is he who sees you in secret, he who sees you when nobody else sees you, interceding on your knees, on your face, pleading for whatever it is or, or petitioning heaven for whatever it is, he, he's going he's to reward you openly. He sees you, he hears you, and he'll answer according to his will. Jesus then also added here, again, how not to pray. And that is when you pray, here it is again, don't use vain repetitions like the heathen do. Vain repetitions. Don't chant a mantra. You don't have to repeat a prayer over and over and over and over again. And like the more you say it, the, the more uh, effective it is. Maybe some of you grew up in an environment where you had to pray a specific prayer repeatedly over and over. And you just, you, how many? Five? All right, I'm going to do it. And then you just like roll through it really quick. And you probably know the prayer. And you just get through it real quick. Just vain repetition. You don't know what you're saying. You just know he told you to do it. And you got to get, unless you do it, you're not, you're not going to go outside and play. I don't know. You just got to get through it. Vain repetition. Don't pray like that. Man, let it be heartfelt. Think. Listen. Prayer is not just some monologue that I rattle off to God. It's a dialogue between us. I'm praying. I'm listening. I'm, I'm being still and know that he is God. Lord, tune my ear to heaven. Help me to hear what it is you're saying. Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear, Lord. Then speak to me. Lord, as I pray, Lord, let me hear from heaven. It's a conversation. It's not vain repetition. Can you imagine having a conversation with anybody where you just said the same sentence over and over and over again? What kind of conversation is that? You just said one sentence. Hi, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Hi, how are you doing today? I mean, what? stop saying that. I told you how I'm doing. Hi, how are you doing today? What are you, crazy? Probably. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's talking about a conversation. Man, the Lord loves us. He loves to hear from us. I talk to him like I talk to my best friend because he is. Pray, not with vain repetition. Pray with understanding. And this is also a blessing to me. It says here, therefore, don't be like them. Don't follow that example. That's not the example to follow. And look at this. Your father knows the things you have need of. Even before you ask him. Isn't that wonderful? He knows what I need before I ask. I think, you ever think you know what you need and tell God, Lord, I think I need, you know, this. That may not be what I need. What I may need is this. He knows the things that I have need of. He knows what you need. And the great news is he knows what's best. I don't always know what's best for me. And I'm learning and continue to apply the principle that, Lord, um, let your will be done in my life. If this is not what you have for me, then, okay, you know what I need. I think this is what I need, but I, I'd like you to think it too, but maybe it isn't. So whatever you want, I'll, I'll have that. I think when we get to heaven, there will be a lot of prayers that we're thankful for that weren't answered. Maybe you don't even have to get to heaven to think about that. Any prayers that you've ever prayed in your life, they thought, oh, Lord, please. She would be so perfect. 
We would make such a great match. If you would bring that together, that would be amazing. And then God didn't answer. And maybe you were a little disillusioned at first, a little discouraged. And then you got down the road and God brought you the right one. And then you see that person later and you realize, you know what, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for what you didn't do. You knew best. And they might be saying the same thing, you know, when they see you. But I, but I mean, the point is, God knows what is best. He knows what is best. So, Lord, what do you want? How am I to love people? I mean, really, what is the example? The example is Jesus. Loving people that are hard to love. Loving your enemies. Praying for them, blessing them, doing good to them. Well, what about giving? What about serving? How should I in this way, that glorifies your Father in heaven. It's not, not to put on a show. It's not to be a spectacle. This is, to, this is to bring honor and glory to my King. I'm going to serve in that way. This is about you. This is for you. It's because of you. You're worthy. What about praying? How should I pray? Secret place. Not to be heard by men for my great biblical knowledge of prayer, but to be heard by my Father in heaven who knows the things that I have need of even before I, I get it, the words out of my mouth. He knows and he's concerned and he wants to meet the need. Last question. <laughs> How do I do this? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Hebrews chapter 13, if you would turn there. It's to the right in your Bible. Hebrews 13, looking at verse 20. How, how do I do all of these things, Lord? Well, I love the benediction of the writer of Hebrews when he says these words, and I pray you're encouraged. I have this highlighted in my Bible when it says, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, verse 21, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Well, how does he do that? Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord's going to make us complete for every good work. He's going to enable us to do his will. The Lord working in us, the spirit of God, making us like Jesus, helping us to love, to give, to pray, to serve. This is what it looks like to be a disciple. And I'm telling you, and, I, and you know this already, this looks nothing like the world. The world doesn't know about this. Jesus' disciples had poor examples. He's saying, I say to you, he is the authority. What he says Things that don't sit well with me. Lord, change my heart. Help me to see things like you see them. Give me your eyes. Give me your heart. Give me your mind. Let the mind of Christ be in you so that we can truly be his disciples and people will know and see a difference. Amen. 
Well, thanks for joining us today on A Daily Walk. To catch a replay of today's message from Pastor John Randall, simply go online to adailywalk.org or listen to us wherever you get your podcasts and through the Calvary South OC app. If you'd rather have a CD copy of the study, we can send that to you for a cost of $5. Here's where to reach us toll free, 877-242-0828. You can use that to order resources or if you have any questions, that's 877 877- 242-0828. We light up around here when a listener shares what God is doing in their life and how they're helped through the teaching of God's Word. If you feel led to write, here's our email address, adailywalk at gmail.com. That's adailywalk at gmail.com. It sure would be nice to connect with you. As we've just begun a new year, we have an excellent new resource to tell you about geared for you ladies. It's A Daily Walk for Women by Michelle Randall. This 366-day devotional will remind you that as Christians, we don't walk alone. Jesus has promised to never leave or forsake us. And he gives us the courage to be strong during uncertain times. We don't need to dread the future because the Lord goes with us. We pray this devotional will bring you hope as you seek Jesus and share in the wisdom of God from the heart of a pastor's wife. We're offering it for the special price of $15. Just call us and request a daily walk for women at 877-242-0828 or go online to adailywalk.org. Again, that's 877-242-0828. And please remember, it's your faithful contribution to the Lord's work at A Daily Walk that allows us to bring Pastor John's studies to the radio every day. We can't do it alone and totally rely on the Lord to make all this happen. Secure donations can be made at adailywalk.org. A Daily Walk is a presentation of Calvary South O.C. 